Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, Series 1, Episode 10. I'm Karina. And in the show, we like to share the stories of our ancestors and bring your Irish heritage to life. Before we start, do remember, you know, any resources or references that we mention in this episode, they can be found in the show notes at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 110. In this show, we'll be looking at two stories that I know you're going to enjoy very much. I think they make it much easier to understand Irish place names and conventions. Let's see if you agree. Now, let me start by asking you this question. Would you like to walk in the footsteps of your ancestors and experience what they saw in the countryside around them? Well, today's first letter introduces us to the Irish countryside, its place names, hills, rocks, rivers and roads, but more importantly, how these places got their names. In the second letter, we're going to journey together along one of these old roads which has a special name all of its own, but I'll tell you more about that later. So let's begin. You may have noticed that many of our letters from Ireland are inspired by our readers and Green Room members, and our first letter entitled From Cows to River Mouths was an answer to a question from Helen Wise. Now always listen to somebody with Wise as a surname. Helen goes on to ask, I am very curious about the naming conventions used for townlands, baronies, villages, etc., which seem to be repeated over and over again. So many places are prefixed or suffixed in such a way that it makes me wonder what they mean and if the meanings are useful to us in our search for ancestors. There are two examples, kill as in Killaloo and lane in Ballyvalane. Do kill, lane and bally have a geographical significance or maybe a descriptive significance? Are they Gaelic words? Thanks for giving us a direction with your question, Helen. You bring up something that I hear from a lot of readers on the letter from Ireland. Especially when you are trying to understand, or heaven forbid, pronounce a townland that your ancestors originated in. So I decided not to look up lots of reference books, but to give you an answer off the top of my head. Forgive me in advance if some of this reply sounds a little opinionated, but you know you can also check with the official sources later. Cows, hills, forts, rocks, churches, woods... Towns, river mouths, big and small. It's worth giving a little bit of context before we go on. Let's look back into history now. Remember that most Irish place names, especially townlands, have been in place for many hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Most were named when Irish was the everyday language. Before the arrival of the Normans in the early 1200s, Ireland was a land of many little kingdoms. The tribal boundaries of these little kingdoms were constantly under pressure from ambitious neighbours. These boundaries and the agreements that held them in place were often orally agreed and witnessed. 
prominent landmarks like hilltops, rivers, forts and so on were used to provide reference points. It was a time well before the maps that we know today. Across Ireland, there was no single authority or administration, no single law system. The Brehens, and those were the judges of the time, they administered a type of local law dealing with areas like the division of land across generations and the often resulting disputes. While there were no maps, almost every visual feature in a kingdom, townland or field had its own name. There were often up to 1,000 identifiable features inside a single townland. As time went on, the Normans arrived and they used these existing names and naming system for many of the towns, castles and baronies they put into place. Even later still, English became more widely used across the island and instead of translating Irish to English, many of these place names were phonetically anglicised Sometimes, well, sometimes atrociously. So are you ready for some prime examples of common words in Irish place names? Let's start with cows. The cow was at the centre of the Irish farming economy. For probably thousands of years, the Irish for cow is bow. That's spelt B-O with a long line over the O, which we call a fada. And I'll be saying that a little bit throughout the letter. Now, guess what we call roads in Irish? We call them cowways or bow, boher. Small roads are often referred to as boreens. This comes across in many place names such as boher bui. Next up, we'll try hills. Ireland has a fairly low tree line and the tops of many of our hills and mountains are visible. The Irish for hill is canuck. Now that's spelt C-N-O-C, which you will often see in place names such as Knock, which is K-N-O-C, K, K-N-O-C-K-N-O-R-O-E, Knock Row, Knock Nahini, and so on. So all these places are hilly, as you can imagine. Another feature of our countryside are forts. Now, forts were often built on top of the small hills where there was good visibility all round or in other prominent places. The Irish for fort is Dún, D-U-Father-N. And this is contained in the names of plenty of Irish towns and areas such as Dungannon, Dungarvan, Downpatrick and so on. Smaller forts then were called Rath or Alis. And we have Rathmines and Lismore, indicating these were places where smaller forts were found. Let's move on to rocks. There were often rocky outputs in the middle of pastures or a bog even. And they were ideal meeting places or maybe even for building a fort upon. The Irish for rock is Carrig. Now that's spelt C-A-R-R-A-I-G. And I'm sure you know that there are many place names like Carrig and Shannon, Carrig Macross, Carrig Fergus, Carrig Aline, all places where there may have been a rocky fort. And I know one special rocky fort that you're probably all familiar with, and it's called Cashel. Does that sound familiar? 
Other obvious features in the countryside are churches and woods. And I know Mike and I, when we travel around uh, doing work for the Letter for Ireland, we're often looking out for these. Ireland had a monastic and saint tradition from about the 400s. The Irish word kill, spelled C-I-L-L, this means church. So we've got places named after the kill, like Kildare, Killarney, Kilkenny. They all got their names from an association with a saint and their church. I also mention wood here as the Irish for wood is quill, spelled C-O-I-L-L. This also appears in many of our place names, often with a kill, K-I-L, or C-I-L at the beginning. That makes it hard to know if it was named after a church or a wood. And some places like this are called Kilduff, Kilbrack, Clonakilty, Kilgareth, and so on. Now let's move to towns and river mouths. Mouths, excuse me. I suppose the most recognisable Irish place names are those starting with Bally. Balia is the Irish for town or home, and this is spelt B-A-I-L-E, and it appears in many of our townlands, villages and town names. Names such as Ballymina, Ballinlock, and so on. Also, the Irish for mouth is Bale, spelt B-E-F-A-L, And this also features in many of our towns and city names that are located at the mouth of a river. And ones that come to mind there would be such as Belfast, Ballydehob and Ballina. So finally, what about big and small? Well, these features in the countryside are where you have maybe big hills, big fields, big rocks, but you also have small ones. So the Irish for small is Bjog spelt B-E-A-G, and the Irish for big is moor, M-O for the R. These words often spring up as beg and moor in many place names. Uh, places like Killy Begs, Beg Inish, Ardmoor, and Lismore, and so on. And there are so many more name words. But these ones that we've spoken about, they're the ones you'll probably see most often looking at Irish place names. Don't even get me started on colours because we've got red, row, black, dove, grey, rhea, yellow and green, brown, done. Let's finish off with a link back to our sour names though. You see, you often see an original Irish tribal name spring up within a place name. Why, just with this week, I was traveling through the North Cork village of Castle Lyons. Now, Castle Lyons is Cashlon O'Lehan in Irish and is named after the Gaelic tribe who were prominent in this area up to the 1200s. This was one of the little kingdoms that I mentioned earlier there in the letter. The tribe there was called E. Lehan and they held this area until the arrival of the Norman Barry family. One of the leading families took the surname O'Lehan which later became anglicized and was called Lyons. So the Barrys drove the Lyonses away but there's still room for both of their teas on my shelf. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. You know, uh, you may not know, but you may, that Barry and Lion's Tea are brands that are real favourites with us Irish. But Barry's Tea, of course, reigns supreme in Cork. Anyway, if you travel around Irish land today, you often see the word Ua, U-A, or U-U-I-Father, included in the place names on signposts. 
This is a good indicator that now you are driving near an old Irish tribal territory. I think I better stop there, Helen, and everybody else before I go on too long on place names. And I hope that helps as a primer to Irish place names and why it is successful and useful to understand a little more of their origins as you bring your Irish heritage to life. So there we have the story of life in Ireland before the countryside was mapped out and paved roads extended to most towns and villages. I hope you enjoyed it. One of the key things to understanding Irish place names is to realise how much information is hidden in the anglicisation from Irish Gaelic. And I think that letter really pointed that out. Now let's move on to our second letter today. This also relates to Irish roads and place names. And by way of introduction, I'd like to say that it was inspired by our own love of food. You might remember I said at the start of the show that this road in the letter two here has a very special name all of its own. Well, a clue to the road's name is that it is connected with a very particular food close to the hearts of us Irish people. Let us continue our journey with the letter entitled Come Back the Old Butter Road. Have you ever tasted good rich Irish butter as we say here in Ireland? It's a deep yellow in colour as the dairy herds are fed out in the open pasture. Well, we were driving to the old family homestead near Ballady Hub in West Cork yesterday morning and we noticed a sign for the Old Butter Road. We didn't remember seeing that sign before. How interesting. And we noted it down for a walk in the future. Later that day, we were in our way, on our way there into Cork City and we dropped in on Simon O'Flynn and his butcher shop. We mentioned the old butter road that we saw earlier and he replied, sure, don't I live the other end of the butter road here in Cork? Well, that was a typical small world conversation in Ireland. Now we'll come back to Simon and his end of the butter road later in the letter. In the meantime, why don't we head out west to a place where much of this butter originated? Come on back the old butter road. Well, it's hard to have a conversation about Irish ancestors without talking about the fields that surrounded their villages and towns. Ireland has always had a special affinity with the cows that grazed in those fields, and especially with dairy farming. For example, Bridget Braden, who's a member of our Green Room, was on to us recently sharing one of her dairy conversations. And Bridget goes on to say, I was in Ireland earlier this month meeting distant relatives. I'm pretty sure they might have been my fourth or fifth cousins. I was on their farm asking what work they did on it and they told me they raised cattle. Then my cousin said in a very thick Kerry accent, now I'm not even going to attempt it, you know they originally came here to Kerry as butter buyers. I said what? I made him say it butter buyers about four more times. I'm still not 100% sure what he said but I found the term interesting. Well, by the early part of the 19th century, butter was becoming an essential and desirable part of the European diet, and Cork City had established itself as the largest butter market in the world. However, butter needs to come from the milk of a cow, and these cows were spread across the southwest of the country, in counties Cork, Kerry and Limerick. While the road networks was coming in along very nicely in the east of the country by the late 1700s, 
much of the west of Ireland was poorly served beyond the local paths and lanes. The roadway or cowways, as they translate from the Irish, were named after the cow, the bow. This gives you an indication of how the earliest roads were intended for use, just for the slow local transport of cattle between grazing grounds. By about 1770, the main archery of the Butter Road was built out from Cork City and it travelled all the way out west to Castle Maine and County Kerry and southwest into County Cork. It wasn't a road in the modern sense, it was really only the width of a laneway, but it helped to knock up to 60 miles from the long journey for those farmers to Cork City. This made it possible for the farmers and dairymen to load up their carts with a number of butter firkins. Now, firkin is a type of barrel that you can strike off then for the market in Cork over the space of two or three days. I can imagine my own ancestors heading up that pretty butter road near Ballady Hob, arriving in Cork for the early morning, getting the best price of their butter before turning around and heading home again. Of course, some of them may have stayed on to pick up supplies and experience the delights of the big city, or as we like to say, the big smoke. By the mid-1800s, however, the transport roads across the west of the country were much improved and many of the farmers of Limerick and Kerry went to nearby Killarney and Tralee to sell their butter. Some parts of the old butter roads then got absorbed into the new road system while others fell back into use as local boreens, little roads, boreens. So if you had a dairyman or farmer in your own Irish ancestry, chances are that they were very familiar with these old butter roads and headed down their length every month or so to sell their excess butter at the market. As for the butter exchange in Cork City, it closed as a working market back in 1925, but the building is still in use as a wonderful little museum today, giving us an insight to this aspect of life of our Irish ancestors. Another one of our Letter from Ireland and Green Room readers, Ken Duckett, he experienced the dairy farms of North Kerry when he was a child. And here are some of his cherished memories, which I'll share with you here. As a child, I was lucky enough to have several holidays to meet my Irish relatives from Astee County Kerry. My first memories are of driving up to the house in the deepest countryside of Kerry, turning into a farmyard surrounded on all sides by walls and covered areas for cattle, pigs and horses. It was here I learnt a lot of aspects of farming, such as why cows need to be milked so early, so I was woken up to experience this in the days before milking machines. However, there's a very comforting feeling of being with these animals while they they fed and gave milk. I was told then that I had to deliver these milk churns to the creamery in Astee, which was about a mile and a half away. The pony and trap was out and ready, and before I knew it, the pony had dispatched me to the creamery queue. After the delivery, I was wondering how to find my way back. I needn't have worried, as the pony seemed to be an automatic and took all the correct turns to get me home. Well, Ken, I'd say that those animals had a genetic memory going back centuries. You were working your way together down one of those local butter roads of County Kerry, and the road showed you the way, I think. At the other end of the butter road. One man who knows the butter road well is Simon O'Flynn, who actually lives close to its conclusion in Cork City. 
he talks of his butter road coming from County Kerry, which is probably the main origin of much of the butter to arrive in Cork. Over to you, Simon. I live on the old butter road. The road runs in almost a straight line from Castle Island, County Kerry to the Butter Exchange in Cork City, a distance of about 70 miles. In the 1700s, peasant dairy farmers used this route to bring butter to sell in the exchange. The butter, made by the farmers and their wives, was packed in firkins, put on carts and drawn by horses and secured by ropes made of straw for the journey. Now consider that at this time the roads were little more than dirt tracks and a journey took at least two days. Undertaken in all weathers, conditions must have been really pretty hazardous. The route passed through the village of Rathmore, Mill Street and Tower, just to mention a few, and then onto Blarney Street, close to the exchange. The butter was weighed and graded in a building close to the exchange called the Firkin Crane, before money was exchanged and changed hands. The journey home, however, was just as dangerous. The road had another industry attached to it. Yes, my friends, bandits waiting in the furs for now rich peasants to pass by. There are many reports of travellers returning home with less than they had started out with. The dirt track is now, however, a very nice paved road. No more the sound of cart wheels and the clatter of horses' hooves. No more beady eyes waiting in the long grass to separate us from our hard-earned money. However, before I turn in for the night, just in case, I'll make sure everything is tied down and that my doors are securely locked. And that's Simon's tale. Thanks for topping our, our tale with your report from the other end of the butter road, Simon. We weren't the only ones to appreciate it. And here is a reply from Colleen Wheeler on the letter from Ireland on Simon's butter road memories. Over to you, Colleen. Greetings from sunny Florida this morning. I was happy to read more about the old butter road. It continues to give me a better idea of country life and the travel of butter from the farms along the narrow country roads to the country marketplace, including the slow travel times involved both ways and the possibility of running into pirates on the road back home again. I even did some research to learn more. Great ways to better understand our great Irish heritage. Many thanks, Colleen. Well, thank you, Colleen. Isn't that what it's all about? As for ourselves, we're going for a walk down to that old butter road near Ballady Hob shortly, and we look forward to sharing a picture or two of our journey with you. Maybe you'll get to join us one day. So there we have our two letters from Ireland for today. One links us to the land and Irish place names, the other to the produce of the land, including our fine Irish butter, all part of our collective Irish heritage. And by the way, the Firkin Crane Butter Market still stands on the north side of the River Lee in Cork City as a memory to the great butter exporting tradition of the city and you can visit it today as it's been turned into a wonderful museum celebrating Ireland's butter heritage. Also, take a trip down any small road in the west of Ireland and you'll find yourself on one of the many boreens that crisscross the countryside, most likely a butter road in days gone by. Well, that's it for now. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the Letter from Ireland show where we bring your Irish ancestry to life. 
Finally, remember the show notes for this podcast are available at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 110. Just before we go, thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we invite you to check out our special membership area called The Green Room. You can find full details of The Green Room at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. And remember there, green room is all one word. The Green Room is the essential resource for anyone at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. It's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. You get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anyone starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So do come and join us at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Well, that's it for me. And I'll be back next week with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. Look forward to chatting with you then. Sláin Karina.